I think he, you know, it would, would no matter what it was, a layup or a dunk. Did you see VC? <laughs> That's isn't that awful? I, I hope he does it better, but it's uh <laughs> <laughs> Every sports fan has an opinion. Well, these are ours. Ours. Welcome to Brock and Pep's unsportsmanlike convo. And here are your hosts, Brock Fleming and Pep Cariotti. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Friday. It is Friday. We are a little bit later in the week than we normally are, but it was a busy week. School strikes, snow days. Uh, but it is February 7th, joined by Pierre remotely from his living room in one of the most comfortable-looking chairs I've seen. How you doing, Pat? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Dealing with a sore neck, so I'm in my uh, IKEA recliner trying to stay comfy. And are you comfy? I'm very comfy. That's good. That's good. That's yeah. important. Are you medicated Things at all? <laughs> uh, you know what? I... <laughs> Yeah, one might think, but actually, no. I'm um, I, too many. I don't know. I'm not sure about you, but uh, I I take rollbacks occasionally when my back sort of gets wonky, and uh, in this case, it's my neck. So I thought maybe some rollbacks will relax the muscles and the nerves that are firing off. But uh, I take too much of it sometimes, and I just my stomach gets all sort of messed up. So uh, I go ease up on the NSAIDs, if you know what I'm saying. I hear you. Uh, I don't usually yeah. take Robaxis or Robaxisin or Robax, whatever Ro- it is. Yep. Um, until I was motionless there for three days over the holidays. That's when uh, I got my first dose. It does help, but it's I'm like you. I don't really, when it comes to medication and painkillers, I, I really want to be conscious of not getting addicted to it with the sports and athletics that we've gone through. I'm sure you've seen as many as I have where people are very much addicted to the painkillers and uh you know, that's something I'm very conscious of. So I'd rather, and also doctors always said, like, you don't want to take too much because you want to make sure you feel uh, some sensitivity so you know your body's telling you not to do a certain thing, so you don't want to hurt it more. So you kind of want to make sure that you're at least conscious of what your body's telling you. Yeah, you know, and you, you get a better f- feel for uh, your improvement when you're not fully medicated all the time. So you, you'll only know if you're feeling better or my slightly better if you're not hemped up on whatever. So, yeah, I uh, hear you, pal. But well, uh, no, feeling better. Thanks for asking. Good. Well, this episode is brought to you by uh, Robaxaset right. <laughs> <laughs> and old age. Uh, Speaking of old age, it's birthdays. I'd like to make a special shout out to a couple people. <laughs> uh, big, uh, big birthday for one of my close buddies, uh, Mike Dean. It's his birthday today, February 7th. It's Mike Dean's birthday. It is. Uh, All right, happy birthday, Diener. The... It's Diener's birthday. It's also my uh, my godmother, Jen's birthday. She's 65 today. And uh, just to go along with this whole birthday weekend, on Sunday is uh, my son Jackson's birthday and my godson slash nephew Kane's birthday on the same day. So we're going to be celebrating that on Sunday. Um, but shout out to everybody who's... Uh, Birthdays are this weekend. A lot of people that are very near and dear to my heart. And, um, you know, with the whole snow day today, safe driving. I think uh, Mike with uh, some of our other close friends are getting together somewhere near Tweed, um, which is kind of a a middle spot, I guess, between Toronto or Burlington and Ottawa that they get together. But I know the driving wasn't so good this morning, so hopefully everybody got there safe and they party and have a great weekend. Yes, sir. 
All right, so we are going to get right to it. Um, you know, the last, the last, it's not the last football segment we're going to be doing because the XFL starts this weekend. We're not getting the XFL, although the XFL <laughs> screams is real quick. Is the XFL the equivalent of Ice Cube's Big Three or Fireball Three League? No, man. No, it's time the it's time the NFL have some competition, and I think the XFL may not succeed, but it has the right formula. It's not in this. It's not uh, directly competing against it in terms of the seasons, uh, and the rule changes are meant to be um, innovative, uh, forward thinking. I think the NFL should watch the XFL and take some notes. There's some notable guys in the XFL. It's not just yeah. the quarterbacks. There's a ton of NFL guys playing in the XFL. So it's not going to be like the double AFL or whatever that crappy league was uh, that before the NFL started um, this last off season. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's some, there's some players there. So I'm interested to see how they do. Yeah. Same. There's some real good coaching names and stuff in it. I had my father-in-law even text me today. He's like, you know, Mark Tressman's coaching the XFL or no, he didn't yeah. say the XFL. He said in that new wonky league, I said, yeah, <laughs> the XFL. Sure. Um, anyway, so there's people, you know, again, there's good, there's established names that are in there. Um, this is the second go around, like we said before, and there's some, you know, obviously a significant financial backing with the, uh, um, uh, WWE connection there with the uh, big Vince, but, uh, anyway, it'll be curious to see how it works, but it starts this weekend. So again, you know, you're not done with football. I'm very curious to, to watch and see the new rules and how they're, um, yep. implemented, how they're affected, how the players react. And I think you're right. The NFL will be watching this and to see how uh, how it turns out and if they want to adopt it or not. Yep. Anyway, the Super Bowl has come and gone. That was last weekend. You were at my house for the Super Bowl party. There was an ample amount of food, uh, so much food <laughs> that uh, my wife questioned if we had eaten before because we were all stuffed and said, why are you guys not eating anymore? And we just said we just can't physically cannot <laughs> so i think i just finished the last little bit of leftovers tonight but the super bowl game itself i thought was pretty good yeah yeah the, the game itself i thought was uh competitive and you know as we learned last year sometimes they can't they're not that was not a good game last year at all on every level defensively it was a bit of a defensive tilt but uh, it was not an entertaining game. So this had the potential, you know, San Francisco had the potential to really make this a bit of a sleeper with their defense. But um, and, you know, 2010 wasn't a barn burner by any by any stretch. And then Kansas City just did what Kansas City does. You know, it was that classic offense versus defense. And then, you know, you start thinking, does the. The old saying of uh, offense wins games, defense wins championships. Was that going to come to fruition? And we're really going to put that on uh, on focus at this game and see exactly which one's going to come through. Um, the Niners, you know, they, they went ahead. They played okay. My issue is that they just, from an offensive standpoint, so you had chosen the Chiefs. With your prediction, I chose the Niners. The more I, I looked into it and, and evaluated it, I thought the Niners had a much better um, overall strength of team to compete against the, the, the Chiefs. If I had told you that the Niners would keep Kansas City to 24 points in the Super Bowl, you'd have said, then the Niners win. That last touchdown by Damian Williams was 
was moot. You know what I mean? Like it was kind of a they were just blitzing, and it was. I take that touchdown away in all reality to say what the Niners gave up. But if I said 24 points, you'd have thought the Niners would have won that. And I would have too. But the Niners went away from their identity on offense. And that's what bothered me. And that's what really stood out to me in terms of uh, Shanahan and his play calling. So I was reading a, a, an article or I was listening to something, and they were talking about, you know, like during the game, this, I forget if it's pro football focus, whoever does these odds as the game goes, that your percentage of winning that game. In the Atlanta New England game, when they were up 28 3, they had a like a 96 or 99.6% chance of winning that game. And he lost. Being up 2010 going into the fourth, I think it was, they still had a 94.6% chance of winning that game. And he blew that. Those are two of the biggest leads blown in Super Bowl history. And it was Shanahan's been the offensive coordinator for both. They're one, two, if I'm not mistaken, in the ranking yeah. in terms of the, uh, the biggest leads blown in the Super Bowl. I, I thought a couple of things, but exactly what you said. I, I thought the they went sort of went conservative, uh, got away from what was working, which was running the ball right down Kansas City's throat. Exactly. Um, you know, they tried to go for. A, they made a couple of questionable, you know, la- um, end arounds. There was a lot ton of end arounds. I've never seen that many end arounds in a football game. Certainly not the Super Bowl, but. You know, the, the the play right before the half, I thought both teams were super, super conservative. There was a buck 30 left on the clock. I think both teams had all three of their timeouts. And if I'm not, was it was it San Francisco that took a knee? San Francisco had the ball and they ended up taking the knee. So the Kansas City didn't take any timeouts, but they all they both teams had all the timeouts. What a waste of a minute 30. I was that was probably the worst uh, handling of a two minute drill on both sides. But, you know, San Francisco had the, had the ball. Like, come on. You got a, a buck 30. You know, you're running the ball down their throat. You could have ran a couple more running plays, see if you get to the mid, midfield, and then run a pass. Uh, it, it didn't make any sense to me at all. And, and uh, shame on them, really, because they could have they could have put up another three. And then, you know, who, that's a, that's, now we're looking at 23-10. Um, one, thing that I, one thing that I found really interesting, uh, Darren Joseph, who I think you know as well, Former uh, Ottawa Rough Rider. Are you talking about this turning he, uh, point? Pardon me, sorry. Are you going to talk about the turning point that he that he mentioned? Well, I don't know if he, I don't know if he called it a turning point so much as he was just disappointed in the fact that um, the Niners. Uh, I guess well, did they was it was it a turnover that they got? They got an interception it, on Pat Mahomes. They picked the okay, ball and off. Then, yeah, and then the whole team ran towards the the end zone and. I don't even know if it's celebrated because you see every team do it, right? It, either if, if it's the offensive unit, the defensive unit, the special teams run into the end zone and take sort of a, a, a big pick. And when they, when the Niners did that, I thought the game was over. I actually thought that was it. Like I thought Niners have sealed this. They've got confidence. Chiefs look lethargic. I don't see how it, how this is good. Like I really don't see the Chiefs scoring 14 points in the last quarter. Um, what a turning point. I don't know. Was it, would you consider that something that the Chiefs was, could say, hey, listen, uh, look what they're doing. They're kind of sticking it down our throats here. Um, is, that a, is that a motivational tool to see something like that? You know, the, the difference between what you just said and you're saying, look, we've seen teams do it. They've all, you know, the teams will go, they'll run the end zone, then they'll take their picture. There's a key point in that phrase that they ran it in the end zone. They didn't pick six Mahomes. They weren't in the end zone 
and now we're celebrating a touchdown we all got together. They picked the ball off 30 yards back, did not get in the end zone, ran to the end zone, then took the picture in the end zone. So there, there isn't a pick six there. So all that did is, you know, like offensively, and Pat Mahomes is a look at his look at his game. There's three quarters where he was kind of pedestrian at best, and then the fourth quarter, he came to life, right? Which was essentially right after that play. So do you want to? You know what I mean? Give any sort of momentum to uh, a guy of that sort of caliber? I don't know. I think that was – there's one of two things that happen. Either the team that's losing is totally demoralized and you can call it a game, or you have competitors who are going to fuel off that and say, you know what, to hell with you, let's go. And that's what Mahomes did, and that's what the Chiefs did. So good on them. But the celebration in the end zone, you didn't score. That was my issue. You didn't get to the end zone, put six points on the board, and then celebrate. So I, I felt like that probably wasn't the best idea for them. You know, and I and I get teams do that, especially defensive units. You know, they it, it, it brings them together. And, uh, it was, you know, it, it really was a dominant performance right up until that point. I mean, San Francisco was dominating on defense, absolutely dominating. Um but you know why give why wake the beast you know just get to the sideline and and get on the get on the field and do your offense you know but yep. you know I, when I, I look at uh, I look at what Kansas City has accomplished in the last three weeks of the season down twenty four zip to Houston down ten early to Tennessee down against the Niners best defense in the NFL for them to keep coming back like that. I mean, what a what a coaching job by Andy Reid. And I'm so happy for him. There's one, he's one of the good guys in the NFL mm-hmm. and he was going to go down as one of the good guys that just couldn't get over the hump one day and I'm so glad he did it and I you know, look, I don't know what the Chiefs uh, unrestricted free agent situation is for next year, but I mean, they're going to bring back, you know, Kelsey Hill and Mahomes and they'll throw Williams keep him in the backfield. If they can sort of keep that offensive line intact, well, why couldn't they repeat? So would you say, so my next question, I was going to say, which team out of the two do you think has more likely to be back in the Super Bowl next year? You'd say KC. I say KC, no doubt. Do you think the Niners have a season similar to the one they had this year? Better or worse? Better, I say uh, next year, I think they'll be worse. Why? I think that they're going to lose one of the running backs. They've got three guys who are capable and two guys are probably not going to want to sit as much as they have. So they're going to have to make a choice with Mostert, um, Coleman, and Breida. Yeah. You know, I, I know Breida is kind of that X factor, not really, but they're going to have to make a choice. So they'll be a little weaker in the running game next year. If use check, I one of my favorite fullbacks, but I just don't see uh, Emmanuel Sanders is a UFA. So, you know, I see their team changing a bit. You like Debo Samuel. I really like him as well. But uh, I, I see them taking a step back next year, a lot like Atlanta did the year they made the Super Bowl. Um, tough loss. Can they recover from this being up 20 to 10? You know, it could go one of two ways. And I'm not really sold on Jimmy G. Um, I don't he didn't show me. He, you know, he was closing his eyes when he got under pressure and he threw the ball down the field uh, twice that we saw with his eyes closed. Right. So. You know, I'm not sold on the kid. I'm not sold on the kid. He's he had a pedestrian season. You know, he was the uh, um, prototypical. What do they call it? The game manager. I yeah. thought he was a game manager this year. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It could go either way. They could be eight and eight next year. But I know Kansas City's not going to be eight and eight. Kansas City's going to take the uh, AFC West again because Easily. they're the most talented team. Uh, who's going to compete with them next year? The Broncos? No. 
The Chargers? Chargers are terrible. Uh, yeah. And then what's the Raiders? Raiders. And well, I mean, Raiders could, I mean, who knows? They're, they're exactly. loaded. But who knows? Anyway, anyway I, I, yes, I think Kansas City is going to not only uh, go back to the Super Bowl next year, but I think they're going to repeat. And uh, as a Steelers fan, that's hard to, hard to admit, but they're going to. So I hope they okay. do. I think, uh, you know, I hope Kansas City has that run. I think their longevity, when we talk about how the Patriots have been doing it, I think we'll see a lot and we'll get a real good reading on Mahomes and what his goals are when his new contract comes out. And it's going to be, you know, is he going to be looking for 40, 50 million a season or is it going to be around 30 where, you know, it still leaves some room to make sure that all his, his supporting casts are paid. Um, you know, maybe he gets a guaranteed, but he has a longer term deal or whatever it is. We're going to see sort of what the focus is. He's so young. He's still got so much more to prove or I guess to improve. And uh, he's just he's just really fun to watch. And I think that uh, as long as he keeps improving and, and they keep those guys around and they're going to be uh, dangerous for years to come. So it's uh, it's nice when you move on from the Patriots to another team. And if it's Andy Reid led, then I'm all for it. Um, the 49ers, you know, again, Shanahan went away from his identity. In my opinion, they ran a couple end arounds with Debo. That's great. You're, you're setting up and you're making them respect the edge, but that is to set up your bread and butter run game. And he never went there, never established it. He kept dropping back to me. It was almost like Shanahan evaluated Kansas city said, what is their defense going to do? Or what is, what do I think Spagnola is going to do in terms of stopping our run game? This is what they're going to do. If they do this, we're going to need to do Jimmy drop back and, and hit some of these open spots. And it's like he came into the game, and instead of making Kansas City respect that and adjust their defense and stop the run, he went right to throwing with Jimmy G, who's a guy who's thrown, I think, under 20 passes in the last two games. There's a week off, so that's three weeks without really in-game having to throw the ball and then saying, you're going to be our guy. And all of a sudden, we're going to go from a 80% run team to an 80% throw team. I think that was just the the end right there. But yeah, and and they ran all over Minnesota. They ran all over Green Bay. Right. Look, good defenses. When you break down football, at the end of the day, forget throw away the playbooks, throw away the all the ends arounds and the fancy plays. It's the bread and butter. Your five guys up front versus their front seven. Can you push the line? Can you dominate the line? Usually the team that can dominate the line of scrimmage will win the game, and they have all the horses to do it. I mean, even defensively for three and a half quarters, the front the front seven for, for uh, San Francisco on defense was dominating the game, and their front five on offense could have easily dominated the game. They just didn't give their, guy, their running backs a chance. I mean, Mostert's a stud. So I oh, thought the game time. plan was just flipped upside down, and I don't know why, you know? Yeah, again, I think it was just classic overthinking or not having confidence yeah. in your own team. I don't know what it is, but you know, I still think if the Niners had gone to their run game, I really think they they pull that game out. They had enough sure. stops on defense to run the ball and be effective. And basically, the best defense against Kansas City's offense is keep them off the field. So have long, sustainable drives and just really wear out that defense. And they could have done that, and they didn't. Which, yeah. am I upset about? No. Although my money was on the Niners and the under. Um, whatever. It was worth the loss. I'm glad to see Andy Reid get his double cheeseburger. And uh, what do he say? I didn't spend the night with the with the trophy. I spent the night with my trophy wife. So good on him. boy. And shout out to uh, the, the Canuck, the first Quebec-born player to ever win the Super Bowl. 
And, Very uh, good. And uh, yeah. Anyway, it was all all in all, it was a great a great halftime was great. Halftime, yeah. Halftime was uh, was good. I feel like that was probably up in your uh, uh, favorite moments. Yeah, was, uh, there was, there was, was a lot of booty. A, there was a lot of booty being shaken. There's a jackass out in the states who's suing the NFL because he was unprepared for the halftime show. He's a Christian Bible guy, <laughs> and uh, he he thought it was like just a sin to watch. Um, maybe someone should um, show him how the remote control works because you can change the channel, bud. Sounds like he didn't have the remote control in his hands when he was watching it. <laughs> Airhorn that pal. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, the winner of our Super Bowl prediction. We had nobody. <laughs> we had nobody guess the, the actual score. Uh, shout out to Joe Witten, who did guess 31-20, but he took the Niners with that score. So that was the closest to perfection that we had seen. Uh, but the winner of our T-shirt would be Adam Bredner, who uh, predicted 35-24 for Kansas City. So... The way I went through, some guys are a little closer to the 31 or a little closer to the 20, but the 11-point win is kind of what I used to determine who was the closest instead of trying to do all this different math. And uh, he picked a, an 11-point win by the Kansas City Chiefs. So, Adam, uh, we'll hit you up on Facebook, and we'll figure out your address and get you one of those shirts. So congratulations on that. Um, the bread maker. I used to teach with him out in Philemon when he was uh, when I was a supply teacher. He was, uh, I want to say, English or drama, and uh, a fantastic teacher and a great guy. Um, so congratulations to the bread maker, Adam Bredner. Congratulations. Oh, well, pardon me, Mr. Perfect. I guess I forgot that you never, ever make a mistake. is perfect here is what we screwed up all right so we're going right into the mistakes and i figure <laughs> the best way of doing that is just go over our or our your answers from the speed option super bowl props edition last week um because there were a lot of mistakes oh, okay so i'm gonna go through them really quickly we chose right. the point total was uh, the over under was 56 and a half you chose the under. You got that right. It was 51. Boom. Mahomes over under 30, uh, 304 and a half yards passing. You said over. It was under 286. Garoppolo over under 199.5 passing attempts or passing yards. You said over, which I thought was very surprising. And I thought if it was over, that means they lost, which is what happened. He had 219. Mahomes attempted 42 passes, which was the over. You got that wrong. Garoppolo uh, attempted 31 passes. You chose under at 30 and a half. Just think of the line. Somebody said 30 and a half is the over under, and he went 31. It's crazy how Vegas or whoever it is put these lines together. I still have no idea how they do it, unless the symptoms and, and Pat McAfee is correct that there's somebody from the future <laughs> making these things because it's insane. Uh, Mostert, you chose under 75 yards. It was uh, 58. You were right on that one. Williams, you chose the under of 69 and a half. He was at 104. Um, on a side note, too, Mahomes won the, won the MVP. I think Damian Williams, in my opinion, Damian Williams should have had it. But that's in retrospect when I'm looking at the stats. At the time when he won the MVP, you think he didn't play well enough to get it. But I can't think of anybody immediately... Like, there was nobody that was like, well, it's, it's got to be this guy. You know what I mean? Like, the whole time you're thinking, it's got to be this guy. You're just like, who's going to win it? Did you think Mahomes deserved the MVP? 
I, I did. Uh, you know, uh, Damian Williams came to mind, but, you know, he had that touchdown in the corner where he jumped across the pylon. Uh, he had a couple of receptions, a couple of half-decent runs, but really the the biggest chunk of his 117 yards rushing was on that, what you consider to be sort of a nothing um, down the sideline touchdown that he had towards the end of the game that that put him up 31. So I think that was know, a pass. I think that was a that was a, a pass to the flats, was it not? Uh, I thought it was a run. Uh, I don't think he had 117. We'd have to look that no, up. We'll, we'll, we'll check that and 104 confirm. 104 rushing yards. Yeah. And then uh, oh, you're right. It is a rushing touchdown. 38 yard rush. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, that's a big chunk of his yards came there. Okay. So you know, you take that away. I mean, now we're we're playing. Uh, you know, but but you let you take that away. He's got 69, we'll 70 yards hairs, rushing. Is what they call Pierre. We're splitting. Was that right? We're splitting hairs. We're splitting hairs. So anyway, all all that to say, Mahomes. Um, I thought just the fact that he was able to make, to bring them down the field and come back, uh, make a really really tough third and fifteen throw to Tyree Kill down the field. Uh, a nice rollout to Kelsey. Boom, twenty to seventeen. Momentum shifts. He comes yeah. right back and scores again. I mean, geez, wow. You know, it all yes. goes through him anyway. So yeah, okay, I see that. Uh, Tyree um, Kill could have been a good another option too, but he had too many drops. Yeah, and he's just annoying. Um, Mahomes run, uh, you chose under 35. It was a 29 Kelsey under 80 yards is a 43. Surprisingly, you took Kittles or you took Hill over 79, which was right. He was a 105 Kittles under 72. He only had 36 Debo over 56. He only had 39 yards receiving and he chose Watkins under 51 and he got 98. Then he chose uh, first team to score was Kansas City. It was actually San Francisco. The first penalty was KC is who you chose, which is true. It was KC at 8-12 of the first quarter. They went offside um, by the player. I'm not even saying his name because I could not pronounce it. I was trying to figure out how to pronounce it. I can't. Anyway, uh, (laughs) (laughs) it starts with a KP, I think. So uh, no idea how to pronounce that. Uh, will there be a two-point try? You said yes, there wasn't. Will it be successful? You said yes, it's not applicable. Longest touchdown. Uh, you said over 44 and a half yards. It was 38. It was Williams' last touchdown. The longest field goal, you said under 50, uh, 47 and a half, which is right. Gold hit a 42-yarder. Uh, and then the total sacks, again, when you're talking over-under, total sacks over-under five and a half, you said over, it was five. Four on huh. Pat Mahomes and one on Jimmy G. One official sack on Jimmy G because he threw them away with his eyes closed. Anyway, overall, <laughs> that's a 9 on 20 for your picks. So I'm glad I did not get my money in on that because I don't think it would have paid off. Uh, I, I there's, one, uh, there's one pick you didn't mention. What, the score? Uh, I No, I nailed okay, the that length wasn't, of the anthem. That wasn't on our other one, but... We did do a prop bet during the Super Bowl party where we said pick as close as you can to the length of the national anthem that, uh, what's her name? Was it Camila Cabello? No. Demi Lovato. Demi Lovato was going to sing, and you chose a minute 50, and it was like a minute 49.8 or something, wasn't it? Something like that. Anyway, it was almost spot on that... I don't know. The over-under was two, I think, right? I think the over-under was, was two. You chose the under, but not only did you choose the under, you actually chose the exact time, which was fairly impressive. And I think you actually Thanks, nailed man. what outfit she was going to wear, too, didn't you? you said, no? Uh, All white? Yeah, no? I'm not sure if I made my mind, for sure. For sure. All right. <laughs> Let's take a uh, quick break. We'll come back. We're going to talk NBA trades. 
Okay, so we have reached the NBA trade deadline, I believe, was today. Is that correct, Pierre? Yeah, it was yesterday at noon, and uh, NBA is funny. There's a lot of, there's a flurry of activity, much like, much like the uh, NHL. NHL trade deadline is basically a national holiday in Canada, and everyone just is glued to the TV set for very, very minor deals. The NBA is very similar, and there are a lot of there are a lot of minor deals, but the impact to their team I feel is greater because fewer guys play. So when you have a rotation of eight guys and you change two of those eight, it's a big deal. When you bring on a guy in hockey who's a part of a twelve man, you know, four, three lines of four, uh, four lines of three, sorry, or a defensive core, the impact is a, is a little bit less. Or it can be a big impact, but generally speaking, it's you're trading for third line guys, and uh, TS then makes it a, a, a national event. It's it's very peculiar. I find the NHL trade deadline, but in the NBA, you know, if you, you tweak here and there, and you really really change the chemistry of your team, which brings me to my first team, the Raptors, and they did nothing on trade deadline day, and that says two things to me. Uh, one, there weren't enough, there weren't any anybody out there better than their current roster. And two, they just have faith in the guys that they have. And, you know, they've had multiple injuries all year round. You know, Ibaka, Gasol, Powell, Siakam, they've all missed time. Lowry, they've all missed significant time this year due to injury. So it's like bringing one of those guys back into the fold is a lot like a trade. It's a lot like getting a new guy through a trade. So I think what we'll see with the Raptors is they're going to let the um, the sort of the veterans... Um, whatever whatever is remaining left on a veterans list, they'll, make, they'll sign a veteran guy for some depth right before the playoffs like they did with Jeremy Lin last year. Um, but you're not going to see any big moves. They're deep. They're young. They're talented. And quite frankly, they have the third best record in the NBA. And if you look at the top teams, the Lakers, Bucks, and and uh, Raptors, not, none of those teams made any moves at the deadline. So um, that speaks volumes for the, the organization and they have faith in their teams. So um, what do you, what do you think about the Raptors not making any moves? Do you have any, any thoughts on that? I know that, you know, you had mentioned, um, you know, that the, you thought maybe they, they could improve in the, in the, the big man department a couple weeks ago, but. Ultimately it's, it's exactly what you're saying. It's a lot. I think it's a lot harder to pull the trigger on deals when your team is, doing well. So those top three teams are doing well, which generally means there's cohesiveness in the locker room. There's, um, there's fluidity in terms of play. And so in order to pull a deal, you got to be very conscious. It's not even a one for one. It's uh, for skill wise. It's about how does that person fit into the dress room, fit into the locker room, fit into the, the offensive system, fit into the guys dinners on the road, stuff like that, that it becomes very vital for teams who are successful um, because as much as basketball could be a superstar league, it's a team sport still. So if you have guys that are disgruntled or not getting along, I don't care how good you are. That is going to affect the play of the team. So the teams oh. that are winning have this and they're, they're uh, or at least they're, they're still working towards uh, a perfect sort of system. And it's really hard to pull the trigger. So I don't blame them for not doing that. Don't rock the boat kind of thing. Oh, and the Raptors are, are, have enough talent on, as it is, but you you talk about chemistry. You look at uh, what Marcus Saul brought last year. You know, trading away Valanciunas, 
Saul is just a little bit older, but also equally as talented. But you talk about one of the class guys in the NBA, him and his brother, Pau. Classy guy, uh, a great guy in the locker room, revered by his teammates. And he was a big reason they won. Yeah, he didn't. Sc- he wasn't scoring 20 a game, but he was the glue guy. They ran the offense through him during the playoff run last year. So, you know, the ball would ultimately start with him. And then, uh, or he'd run screen and roll. Like he was just a, a really solid player. So when he comes back, it's like getting a big man for your for your playoff run. He'll be out for a couple of weeks. He got a strain hammy, but um, I thought them not doing anything was a good uh, a good move on their part. And you talk about team chemistry and and being talented, but without chemistry, look at the Philadelphia 76ers. Exactly, they're a hot mess, and they've got all the talent. Ben Simmons and and uh, Joel Embiid by themselves are superstars. Together, they hate each other. Al Horford said in the media the other day, in the Philadelphia media, uh, there's something wrong with our locker room. Al Horford, Flor- former Florida guy. Oh, yeah. Um, I just feel like I know, say it every he, single time you bring it up, so I got to stop because people will be like, <laughs> it's annoying. But he's a, listen, he's a, uh, he's a, a bona fide NBA vet who's got a pedigree, who's, you know, who's won. For him to say, hey, listen, our, our locker room's kind of screwy, that's, a, that's not a good sign for Philly. And if you recall preseason the experts predicted the raptors to miss the playoffs and for the philadelphia 76ers to represent the east in the nba finals so it's funny what chemistry how big a a role chemistry plays nick nurse is an early coach of the year candidate and uh you know anybody else is a distant second what a job he's doing there um there were some there were some trades yesterday that were I found uh, very uh very interesting and some canadian content yeah Um, you know the warriors pulled off a bit of a bit of a shocker uh not really though d'angelo russell's bounced around it's his fourth team in four years or something like that he's so overrated doesn't play any defense at all he got traded over to the uh, minnesota timberwolves in exchange for um andrew wiggins canadian andrew wiggins mm-hmm. andrew wiggins career numbers 20 points per game um i think him being the superstar on a team like Minnesota is too much pressure for him. So he's going to go now to a team that already has two superstars in Draymond Green. Ugh. And, you know, but they also get, uh, they also get Minnesota's uh, protected pit, first round pick. And it's going to be a pretty high one because Minnesota is not very good. Plus the Warriors have their own first round pick. They can turn this sucker around in a hurry. In a hurry. We already talked about that, especially with the fact that Curry and uh, Clay are out. And you say, okay, they're not doing very well. So what happens is they drop down the list of standings and their likelihood of getting a higher draft pick becomes greater. And then now they're drafting somebody very skilled to be put on a team that not, with Clay and Curry back healthy. And now they're adding a Wiggins. Come on. I mean, these guys yeah. are making... Great moves. Why did the Timberwolves do that sort of trade from their aspect of it? What's the benefit? D'Angelo, D'Angelo well, first of all, Wiggins could have sort of out, has outworn his welcome there. I mean, the uh, uh, good player, they, the book on Wiggins is that he's not a leader. They need a leader from that spot. That, um, you know, Carl Anthony Towns can't do it all himself, and it's really just a two-man show over there in Minnesota. Um, they dealt Robert Covington to the Houston Rockets, so they're really just dealing with Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns. Bringing in D'Angelo Russell, him and Towns are, are are pals, best friends. Towns met him at the airport yesterday, had his jersey ready for him. A lot of love going on there. Russell's a bit more of a scorer, uh, more of an aggressive uh, player in terms of scoring. So, 
you know, it, it might be a better fit. I don't know. I don't know if D'Angelo Russell plays very good defense. There's a reason he's bounced around the four teams in four years. So okay. it should be very interesting. I think this is a great move for the Warriors, and Steve Kerr nailed it. He said, Andrew Wiggins is coming to a team that already has superstars. He's just going to be able to play his game, and he's a freak athlete. So a great move for the uh, Golden State Warriors. A really, really, really peculiar move yesterday. I, I, thought to, I thought it was the worst trade I've seen in a long time. Uh, the Detroit Pistons traded their longtime center, only 26 years old, but um, comes with a huge cap hit. They traded him to Cleveland for John Henson and Brandon Knight. Now, Brandon Knight, if that name sounds familiar, he's the guy that DeAndre Jordan dunked on. Oh, yeah. Um, that finishes first on every best best all-time dunk list that you've seen on YouTube. It's that one that finishes first. And uh, Brandon Knight was has bounced around. And he's back with Detroit. He's going to have to put on that same blue uniform that, you know, Jordan almost ended his life in. Um, it's a very peculiar trade. I think there's some draft compensation that goes back and forth, but you know, Detroit, I don't know what you guys are doing. Blake Griffin's playing on one leg. He's not even playing anymore. He's out. He's out. When he comes back, he's going to be a shell of himself. He's t he's commanding a ton of money. You got Derek Rose, who's in, you know, NBA years, a dinosaur. So Detroit Pistons, you're, it's just a hot mess there, but, uh, Cleveland uh, from their perspective, you know, I don't know how he fits Andre Drummond fits alongside Tristan Thompson and Kevin Love. They're, they're very big all of a sudden in the front court. And uh, so who's going to get the minutes there should be interesting. They didn't deal any of the other big guys. So it's a very peculiar trade on both ends. But I think, you know, usually the team that gets the best player wins the trade. So it, it has to be Cleveland. So very, very peculiar. A team that really, really improved uh, and the Raptors should be concerned about this is the uh, Miami Heat. Mm -hmm. um, they were aggressive. They picked up Andre Iguodala from the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, they dealt away Justice Winslow. I uh, thought the Heat were just aggressive, uh, very, very aggressive. They dealt. They also picked up Jay Crowder, um, a very you know a tough defensive guy. So they're making moves to win now, um, and that's scary because the, Jimmy Butler and the rest of those guys in Miami are tough. They're going to be a tough out. Hey, who chose? Um, I think in our basketball segment, I think I took the Raptors versus Heat in the East final, didn't I? Well, you'd be you'd be bang on, and the Heat are going to be tough along with the Pacers. Uh, you know, Raptors are actually playing the Pacers right now as we speak. Um, very, very interesting what's going on in the East. Uh, but I think um, a <laughs> one trade that I found um, fascinating was the uh, Houston Rockets dealing their only two centers on their roster uh, over to Atlanta. Uh, they also picked up Robert Covington from Minnesota in a three-team trade. So as it stands now, the Houston Rockets are going with a roster that has nobody taller than 6'7". And last night, they showcased that roster. Their center was 6'5". P.J. Tucker had to guard Anthony Davis yesterday against the Lakers, and they won. Now, is it a formula for success in the playoffs? I, the game slows down so much in the playoffs. You need a big guy. I don't see this style of play, this small ball run and gun. Uh, don't play with a center style of play being successful in the long run, but it's going to be fun to watch. So the Rockets dealt Clint Capella over to the uh, Atlanta Hawks, and he was really their only center. If anybody so, can do it or their system allows it, it would probably be the Rockets, wouldn't it? For sure. Rockets. I think if you, you look at those teams, Rockets and Warriors, 
run those that style of helter skelter, spread the floor, uh, five guys on the perimeter, uh, and then you know you take your turns driving to the hoop. The ball swings across the perimeter. But if you look at the championship teams with the rocket with the uh, Warriors, Javale McGee was their center on one of the teams. Um, Andrew Bogut, David West. So they they played with a traditional center, but those if you, those names all have something in uh, in common, they can shoot the ball from the perimeter. So can you, you think- win with a six five center? I don't. If you I double, if you get some support down low for combating whoever the opponent's big guy is, if they're always shooting from the perimeter, those rebounds are never right under the basket generally anyway. They're always big rebounds, so the the, the rebounding area is a lot further out. Maybe they're just going, and, and I'm, oh, cur- listen, oh, hey, the, I'm curious to see what happens. From the offensive standpoint, I mean, I, I don't think it hurts them offensively. It's the defensive end that that's concerning. They couldn't stop Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis, they were just literally lobbing the ball yesterday. I watched the first half, and LeBron was just lobbing the ball to Anthony Davis down low. He was getting it like he was catching it above kids and turning around and scoring it. Davis had 32 points, and all of them were, were in the key. So it's going to be an issue, Which is I think. two points. And Houston's hey. always going for three. You say, Look, well, at some point, you know what I mean? Like, as you're going to have to... Catch up somewhere. You, anyway, you talk about analytics, Brock. You're you're just you're basically just starting a conversation about analytics, and it's that's what Mike D'Antoni's all about. Okay, well, uh, we'll give up uh, two points down low, but we're going to come down and score three. So, you know, I, I, it, he's onto something. He's an innovator. He's people laugh at his system, and his system doesn't have a sh- you know it has a shelf life and all this stuff. But look, he's he's still coaching, and he's he's fun to watch. And if you remember the Suns from the early two thousands with Steve Nash and Amari Stoudemire and Sean Marion, that he was the coach. Mm. So, you know, he's he's no joke. I, I, they're going to be fun to watch. Uh, we'll see what we'll see what happens. But in terms of notable trades, that's really all I had to discuss. Um, the rest were were like window dressing. A team to watch out for. They're sitting in the eight seed right now is the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, they've really rebuilt so quickly on the fly. I'm so impressed with what they've done there, bringing in drafting John Morant, and they had Jaron Jackson Jr. and now they've picked up you know uh, Justice Winslow, and they've added some pieces. Just just a really 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 quick rebuild from a team that won 50, 50 games three years ago, you know, rebuild. Sometimes we've seen rebuilds take a decade. Look at the bulls. When was the last time they were good? Yeah. Jordan, you know? Yeah. So it's a really impressive, um, to see what Memphis is doing. So, uh, all their all-star break comes, I think next weekend is when their all-star festivities take place. So, after the All-Star break, we'll start talking a little bit more basketball and uh, teams jockey for position. But for now, uh, there weren't any real blockbusters. You know, look for the Lakers to make a, a veteran deal with J.R. Smith in the next couple couple of days. They need some point guard help. I see nothing on the Raptors horizon, so they're going to stand pat. And uh, that's your NBA insider, my friend. Well, beautiful. That is it. Hey. Boom. NBA trade deadline has come and gone. Nothing notable. We got that. Raptors are still focused and stay the course. Keep doing what you're doing. Nick Nurse, keep getting those guys to perform probably above what they're expected to. I think I just put 10 bucks on the Raptors to win the championship and also 10 to win the East. I don't know if it was early enough. I should have done it way at the, way at the beginning of the season. Would have paid a lot more. But gives you something to look forward to. They're uh, looking to win their 13th in a row tonight, by the way, which would be they've already beaten. Uh, its franchise record was 12. They already beat that. So um, they're looking to, to win their 13th in a row tonight, second of a back-to-back against uh, the same team, Indiana Pacers, in Indiana. So flip your channel to, I believe it's TSN. 
I will have to do that. They got a chance. It's uh, who they got tonight. Sorry. They're playing the Pacers again, and they pulled off a Ooh. tough win against the Pacers the other night. But uh, one last question, Brock, for you: Do you uh, do you remember? You remember the guy from the Detroit, uh, the PA announcer for Detroit, when they when they had the bat, not the bad boys, but they had you know when they were won that championship with Billups and Wallace, and and it, whenever there would be a turnover, he'd yell Detroit basketball. I remember hearing that. I don't remember who said it or okay. What well, he's their PA announcer who would say it. Okay, I was watching uh, some. YouTube highlights of Vince Carter when he was with uh, <laughs> the New Jersey Nets. All right. Specific, it, was, it's, it was specifically a New Jersey Nets highlight reel from when he, Vince Carter was playing with them. And it's not that long, actually. But um, when he'd play home games, maybe you can get this soundbite for, for the next, uh, the next um, podcast. All right. The PA announcer guy would go, so let's say Vince Carter, anytime he scored, really, was it a layup or a shot or a fancy dunk, the PA announcer would go, did you see VC? <laughs> and he'd do that every time Vince Carter would score. How annoying. <laughs> Could you? This is the only time I've heard it and I'm annoyed. Oh yeah, it's it was this was in the you know the old Meadowlands when it, when the New Jersey Nets were playing there and every time he'd score, I think he, you know it would would no matter what it was, a layup or a dunk, did you see VC? <laughs> That's isn't that awful? I I hope he does it better, but it's uh <laughs> that's going to be our go to break at this point. Uh, all right. On that note, we are yes. going to get out of here. We're going out to uh, I let Jackson pick the song because it's his birthday weekend. So My boy Jax. Shout out to little Jackie boy. He's going to be 8. Daddy's very proud of you. Um, yeah, so we're going out to uh, it's called The Natural by uh, I think it's Imagine Dragons. But love uh, it. I really, I'm like, I've heard this song before. It's on NHL 19, like in the background. On oh, loop. yes, guy. So we're gonna have to get him into whatever the newest one is. Anyway, well, I may see you guys tomorrow night, possibly. Yes, I will see you tomorrow night. I'll probably Good. miss a surprise, but I'll be there. Jackson's in the hockey tournament all day, so we'll be uh, late, but we'll be there. And uh, that is it. Tune in next week. We'll get uh, dive right into some other sports. <laughs> XFL, we'll see how that turns out. Yes. All right, have a great night. Happening.